You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today is going to be very simply a look at the Carolina Panthers as they are today. Uh, it's probably going to be a relatively short episode because I'm getting started quite late. That is, unless I decide through the course of these next 30 minutes to quit my job. I'll keep you posted. Preliminary, same old stuff. Uh, the only new addition, I did start a Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Never really did, I mean, I've, I've had pages, I just never really liked it, never really understood it, but it kind of makes sense because I always have a lot of announcements, and they don't work really well in groups because other people are always talking, and it's like, hey, I, I got something kind of important to say, and then, you know, I mean, I could pin it to the top, but then I got like two things. So as far as my announcements or stuff like that, there is a Packernet podcast Facebook page. So it'll be a place to find, for example, the stock market game. I got to put that up in there. Um, it'll also be in the group too, but again, it gets buried, right? So it'll, it'll serve a little bit more of that kind of a purpose. So go ahead and check that out, find that. Uh, thank you so much to Daniel for the donation to the Packer Fans Against Cancer. We are only $4 away from 400 total dollars. Uh, we are way ahead of schedule, but I don't want to slow down Again, yesterday was the um, 600th episode, so it's it's not too late. If you wanted to give the $6 to the Packers fans against cancer, it goes to benefit the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. Otherwise, um, remember that we still have got a bunch of giveaways going on for Instagram, so make sure right now you go and follow the Packernet podcast on Instagram. Um, there is a giveaway. you got to find the post, but it's the one that has Leroy Butler and a Lombardi trophy on it. Just comment three people. You can do that up to three times to get three separate entries. Or was, is it nine entries? I don't remember how that works. I think it's three entries. And you can get an additional fourth entry by sending me a screenshot of a five-star iTunes review or a five-star review of the show. And then the that competition, that uh, whatever it is, not a competition, will end on at noon on Sunday when we get to 600 followers. We've got a um, Johnny Holland signed 8x10 to give away. And then there is a signed jersey with a certificate of authenticity that we're going to be giving away when we get to 700 followers. So those are the three different giveaways we still got going on. Very excited to give that stuff away. And I think that's it. So again, short on time, why don't we quickly take a break and start talking about the Panthers. So I've been telling you the last few days about Mack Weldon, a few of their different products, some of the stuff that I've tried. Let me just read their mission to you real quick, because again, it's going to give you kind of an idea of what they're about. I'll truncate it a bit. But it says their goal is to make sure that all your basics and beyond are smartly designed and shopping for them is easy and convenient. They said they wanted more out of their basics and always questioned how something so essential could be such a pain in the you-know-what to buy. They said their eureka moment happened in a department store aisle full of brands that dominated our top drawer. Surrounded by mind-numbing assortment of underwear and socks, we realized consistent fit and quality became a game of roulette. So they decided to take matters into their own hands. They started from scratch and engineered their own fabric, which again, I'm telling you, it's just, you, you touch this, the, the, the lounge pants that I have, I have no idea what that is. They're like khaki sweatpants is the only way I can think to describe it. And again, the other day I reached into my closet and I just felt around in the dark. I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the Mack Weldon hoodie that I want to wear. You just, you just know, man. 
But if they go on to say, we made sure the de design process was meticulous so you can count on the fit being the same each time. We built a world-class customer experience. The difference is in the details. So we obsessed over every stitch and seam until we'd reached our definition of perfection. Bottom line is, Mack Weldon is just better. That's what they set out to do. And again, it, it doesn't have to be every single thing in your closet is Mack Weldon, but you got to have something. They are a premium men's essential brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. So again, just head over to MacWeldon.com. They've made it super simple for you to just peruse and see what they've got and check everything out. If you decide to make a purchase, remember to use promo code OVERTIME and they're going to give you 20% off your first order. So head over to MacWeldon.com right now. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So starting off with the, the basics here, the Carolina Panthers right now are 5-3. and three. As we learned uh, last week, the record doesn't always tell you the full story. Although 5-3 and kind of never tells you anything. There's a lot of bad 5-3 and three teams, a lot of great 5-3 and three teams. It also just so happens to be a pretty average record, so it kind of covers the spectrum there. Uh, Ron Rivera, obviously you know, is a longtime head coach. Norv Turner, very longtime uh, coach, is their offensive coordinator. We know him pretty well from his stint in uh, Minnesota for three years. He's been with Carolina now for two. And uh, Eric Washington has been their defensive coordinator for two years. So nothing super different. And he was an internal hire, so, you know. He's also got ties to the NFC North, though, because he actually was with the Chicago Bears from 2008 to 2010 under Lovey Smith. So, I mean, that was all a long time ago. It has no real implication on this. Just interesting information for you to, uh, in case you're ever on Jeopardy or anything, you know, because that stuff comes up. As far as how their season has gone, um, you know, the 5-3 and three thing, again, it, it can be kind of misleading. They started the season actually 0-2. They've only lost one game since. So their first game was against the L.A. Rams, and they only lost by three points. Now, as you know, the Rams are a pretty good team. So you look at that and you go, it doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad team. Then you look the week two, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they lost 14-20. to 20. The I've said this before, Tampa Bay's only job in this universe is to just destroy teams. I, I don't care. If, if ever I see you lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, usually you look and say Tampa's not good, therefore you lost to a bad team. Ha ha, you stink. Every, it seems like every team, I, I, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be undefeated because every team I look at, they're like, oh, your one loss is to the Bucs. They just play spoiler. I think all their losses come against like zero, like the Dolphins and the Jets and stuff. That's They only beat really good teams. So that doesn't mean much to me. Then they beat the Cardinals, which means nothing. 
They beat the Texans, which, you know, pretty good, but I've seen several teams now that it's like, oh, wow, they beat the Texans. They're really good. It seems like everybody beat the Texans. Uh, they beat the Jaguars, so that doesn't super matter. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the second time around, so there you go. Balances that out. They lost to the 49ers, which doesn't really mean anything because the 49ers are good. However, they lost 51-13, to and that was coming out of their bye week. And then they beat the Titans, which means nothing. So none of these games really mean anything. They lost to good teams. They beat all the bad teams. They split with the Buccaneers. So kind of the question is, what are the Green Bay Packers? Are the Ram- are they the Rams and the 49ers? Are they kind of a mid-tier team like the Texans? Uh, beyond that, they are 10th in points scored right now, but they are 22nd in yards. They are the sort of the anti-Packers defense in that way, which which could be kind of scary, right? So they're, they're not real good at getting yards, so you could look at it from the defensive perspective and be like, oh, good, that's kind of the perfect fit because... They don't get a ton of yards, but they're kind of good at scoring, but that's kind of the good thing we're, we're good at stopping. I would tend to worry that it's going to actually go the other way because, again, we're playing a dangerous game with this whole bend, don't break, and I know that's not the intention. Mike Pettin has come out and said that's sort of what's happening. That's not at all what we're trying to do. That is not a philosophy that I ascribe to. It just so happens that we're playing like trash and then tighten up right at the very end. I don't really want to play against a team that has some talented players that are able to gash for big gains, get down there, and just so happen to be very, very good at scoring points um, when they get down there. That just has disaster written all over it. So let's hope the Packers tighten that up really quickly. Uh, Defensively, they are 21st in points, so that is to say they're not very good at stopping teams from scoring points. 19th in yards, so similarly, similarly not very good at stopping teams from, you know, gaining yards. Turnovers, their defense is actually third. They've got a bunch of them. This is largely, however, due to the fact that they had seven turnovers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, wow. Um, They've been, I mean, decent outside of that as well. There's only one game that they didn't have a turnover. Um, They had two games with one. They had two games with two, two games with three, and then one game with seven turnovers. So a little bit inflated because of that one, but the defense definitely has a nose for the ball. So that is something to be concerned with. The offense, however, is 25th in turnovers, which is to say they are equally as bad, just just about equally as bad at giving the ball away. They've had three games now in which they've given the ball away three times. However, well, I, I guess that's not true. When did Cam go out? I was going to say most of these were Cam, but that's absolutely, absolutely not true. Week one was three picks, which would be Cam Newton. But week four and week eight, obviously, were Kyle Allen. And I don't know that these are even picks anyways. It's just turnovers. It could be a lot of fumbles. I don't know. Could find out. Don't care enough. Oh, here you go. Eight fumbles lost, five interceptions thrown. Looking at uh, passing and rushing efficiency, they are 28th in passing yards per attempt at 5.4, which is really, really low. Strangely, and this is another kind of scary thing, the Panthers' defense is really, really good in that same exact category with the exact same number. They allow 5.4 yards per per attempt when passing against. That is roughly what Aaron Rodgers, I think, had last week. Now, that doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it can become a bad thing if there's a lot of incompletion, which I'm guessing is how you get to 5.4 yards per attempt. So they're going to have to just be very, very efficient with the football and hopefully the whole backyard ball because we're behind and down in distance and everything. That's all just kind of done and over with. Now, it's funny because the offense and defense are almost opposite in a lot of these categories. They're opposite in passing. They're also opposite in rushing. Obviously, with Christian McCaffrey, the Carolina Panthers are one of the best rushing teams in football. They're averaging 5.1 yards per attempt. This is so weird. 5.1 yards per attempt. The defense is allowing 5.1 yards per attempt. 
The offense and defense are like exactly opposite. 5.4 yards per attempt passing for the offense and defense. 5.1 rushing and or rushing for offense and defense. So their defense is ranked 31st. So the the general thought is Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones is just going to run all over these guys. The only reason I'm somewhat skeptical is because we've played this game before. We've heard it a thousand times. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively safe bet as much as anything else is a safe bet. It's better than just a random, you know, cast of the dice. But, I mean, every week I tell you what our strengths are compared to their weaknesses, and it just it never materializes as I expected to or hope it to. And it just leads to false hope. Like, oh, Aaron Jones is going to get 150 yards and three touchdowns. And then he just, you know, doesn't couple of little interesting tidbits. Uh, the discrepancy between yards and points could somewhat maybe be explained by the fact that the Carolina Panthers are third in starting position. On average, they start at their own 33-yard line, which is just ridiculous. So that's something that needs to be um, monitored for sure. Also, some opportunities because, again, they're opposites. Um, on average, teams start on their own 30. Now, I'd be happy with a touchback if the Carolina Panthers just don't want to mess with it. But, you know, some potential to actually do something good. Uh, time of possession, again, they're opposites. The offense is ranked 32nd. They're off the field in 2 minutes and 14 seconds. However, the defense gets teams off the field 2 minutes and 21 seconds. So it, it's, just, it's one of those things where you got to really pay attention to the offense. If the offense is, is able to move the ball, that's a really good sign because, in general, this defense is very suffocating. You know, lots of three and outs, not completing a lot of passes, not getting a lot of first downs. Well, they do get a lot of first downs, but they're good at getting you off the field. And so being able to move the, the, sta- the chains is going to be an important part of this, sustaining drives and then scoring. If they're able to get into that rhythm, we're in a real good spot. If we start to see that suffocating thing that we've seen with the Packers several times, might be time to get a little bit concerned. Anyways, looking at ranks, if you look at football outsiders right now, the Green Bay Packers, they have ranked 8th. The Carolina Panthers, they have 16th. Offensively, they're ranked 21st, defensively 9th, whereas the Packers are 6th and 20th in those same categories. It's really, really getting discouraging to see the Packers right back down in 20th, and they just continue to slide. I mean, the only reason they're even as high as 20 is because they had, you know, three-ish really, really good weeks. Now, if they continue this descent, they're, they're going to be down into the Dom Capers era levels. And, it, and it's unnecessary because all the talent. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's discouraging because if you look at Dom Capers, it was frustrating, but you also knew he kind of wasn't playing with a lot of talent. You know, we were tired of him and the way that he did things, and there was no adjustments, and, and def- or offenses kind of read him like a book because he'd been running the same stuff for a long All that's true. But when you've got Jair, and you've got Preston, and you've got Zadarius, one of the best pass rush duos in football, and you've got Kenny Clark, who even um, Mike Pettin went out to say, look, teams know what he is, and they're basically just double-teaming him all day. That's great. But we also have, you know, Dean Lowry, who is not being double-teamed, and when you have Kenny Clark and Preston and Zedarius, you would think guys like Dean, guys like Kingsley, guys like, you know, everybody else along that line would start to be a little bit more productive, and they're not. You know, Blake has has completely fallen off, but we've got a really solid safety duo. I mean, just, it's frustrating. And a lot of it is really just giving up those big plays, right? If, if we don't give up big plays, the, the defense is actually pretty solid, right? There, there's our memories are in tune with these big plays that are frustrating that just make you think we stink. However, there can be several, you know, drives or whatever where they just run for no gain and it's just fantastic. But nobody cares about any of that when, when you know, you get them in third down and, and eight and they throw a 72-yard touchdown pass. It doesn't really feel like a success even though you had, you know, eight generally good plays and one really bad one. 
and you understand the, the conundrum to some extent with, for example, Jair, where he's getting hurt because he's too aggressive. And as I said earlier in the year, one of the ways you beat an aggressive guy is with things like double moves. So you just work on something that the guy that's in coverage with Jair, you have him run like a little out route, quarterback throws a pump fake, Jair tries to jump it. Now he's way out of position running in the wrong direction when that wide receiver starts running up the field. He's wide open. And Pettin's looking at it saying, look, him being super aggressive is what makes him really, really good. I mean, if he wasn't aggressive, all those highlight reels we see at Jair, they go bye-bye. And suddenly he's just kind of like a dude. And we don't want just a dude, we want Jair. But there has to be some kind of a way to not be so aggressive to the point where, I mean, especially if you don't have any safety help or anything on this side, you're not jumping nothing. Unless you see the ball in the air, don't jump. So anyway, I'm way off on a tangent here. There's enough talent that 20th is ridiculous. I mean, just just having a pass rush as good as the Packers have from the outside, from, from our pass rushers, having that duo... That alone should should cover up so much. I mean, come on. Should we be worse than 15th? Minnesota probably has the best pass rush duo. They're 7th. San Francisco has another one of the best pass rush duos. They're, they're 2nd. There seems to be a pretty strong correlation between pass rush and a good defense. Chicago's 8th. New England's number 1. Houston's 14th after they lose J.J. Watt. The Rams suddenly have a pass. Well, they, they've always had interior pass rush, but now they got some exterior pass rush. They're 4th. Philadelphia has pass rushers. They're 10th, right? It's not a surprise that there's a correlation here. Packers have an unbelievable duo, and they're 20th. Give me a break. Oh, and we got Jair. And we have Amos. And we have Savage. And we have Kenny Clark. I mean, come on. I like Patton, but at some point, you, you got to just throw up your hands and say, look, somebody needs to be able to do something with this amount of talent. I don't want to hear about, oh, what about Blake? You know how many teams I can say, what about, about? Patriots have the number one defense in football right now. Jimmy Collins at linebacker is having his first good year in about five years. Patrick Chung is our dime linebacker. He's not very good at all. Deron Harmon at safety is just kind of mediocre. Their defensive line is basically Kyle Van Noy and nobody. And Kyle Van Noy has never been anybody for since ever. This is his first good year. Chase Winovich, he's not any good. Dante Hightower is okay. Adam Butler along the defensive line is terrible, right? I mean, of course we can go through and look at all the guys that are really, really good, like the McCordys. Like Gilmore, you know, Van Noy, Collins, the guys are, who are playing really well right now. But the point is, there's a lot of guys who aren't very good, and nobody's making excuses. Well, what can you expect with a guy like Chung? I expect everyone else to step up. That's what I expect. A real good example, how about the 49ers? They, they, they've got a dominant defense. They don't have track. They, they, I mean, outside of, you know how bad their linebackers are? Way worse than our linebackers. Way, it's not even close. Their linebackers are so garbage, and their safeties are not good. All they have are corners and a defensive line. That's it. They, they, their linebackers are absolute abysmal garbage. Their safeties are just nothing. That's why they went out and spent massive amounts of money to go out and get a free ag- uh, linebacker in free agency, a guy that's not very good anyways. But now he's on IR, so he's not even there. But it doesn't matter. Number two defense in football. Why? Because they got a really good pass rusher. I mean, that's, that's it. They got, they got good enough corners, and they got both, so that just terrorizes people. And they just figure it out from there. They don't have guys just beating, you know, their one corner Mosley when the safeties just aren't there, right? Mosley's not very good, and Ward's not a very good safety, and they just keep getting beat deep all the time. No, they don't. That just doesn't happen to them. I think sometimes, I, and I get messages about this once in a while, it, some people feel like, well, we're not going to be perfect until we have a perfect roster, or we're not going to be able to win until we have, we, we have to fix the wide receivers. We have to get a better linebacker, right? Until we can get, you know, one more defensive lineman and, you know, 
one really good linebacker, maybe another corner. I, I don't know. The, the defense is not going to be fixed. Nonsense. Garbage. You're, you're, you're not going to find as many solid pieces on one side of the field as you have with the Packers. Good luck finding a group that you would like as far as a team more than the Green Bay Packers. Go ahead and try. It's not about the personnel. It's about consistency. It's about tackling. It's about simple stuff. This is not what I'm supposed to be talking about, but I'm getting upset. Because we've been dealing with this for a long time. And Brian Gutekunst did a fantastic job constructing this unbelievable defense. And it's not working. And I just feel like Lambeau Field and Green Bay is cursed to never have a good defense. And I'm, I'm not happy about that. Because if you can't construct a better than 20th overall defense, and I guarantee you the way they've been playing, we're, we're 30th right now. If you can't construct a better performance from a defense with Jair, with Kevin King, with Tremont Williams, with Adrian Amos, with Darnell Savage, with Kenny Clark, with Preston Smith, with Zadarius Smith, then, then, you're, then, then what is your value? I feel like a kid playing Madden picking random plays would do as well with this level of talent. It's frustrating. And I'm not saying it can't rebound. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've been patient, and, and I try. Usually everyone starts freaking out. And I'm like, all right, guys, come on now. I mean, let's relax. Guys have bad days. You know, once they figure out how to tackle, once, once Jair stops having random bad days, once Kevin King kind of stops having mostly bad days and starts having more mostly good days, once Kenny Clark starts stepping in again, once Rashawn, or, or, yeah, once Gary starts getting better, once Kyler kind of gets back into his groove, once Blake starts learning how to tackle again and starts getting more aggressive rather than just standing around waiting for guys to run into him, once these things happen, ooh, boy, it's going to be great, right? Once these guys start tackling, these DBs stop just flying by people and actually try to wrap them up and bring them down, it's going to be a great defense. Once Jair stops jumping routes that are just phantom routes and getting gashed for 200 yards it's going to be a great defense i'm tired of saying relax and i'm kind of starting to get on the other bandwagon saying all right i want to see it now i'm, I'm tired of defending this the team is it, it, the team is too good for this that's the problem I'm not, I'm not like the bears saying come on where's the offense like dude you don't have the players your quarterback is really bad switch out your quarterback to the other guy who's actually kind of good and you, you'll start winning a few games Right? This isn't the Miami Dolphins going, oh, I'm tired of this. You should be, we should be better than this. No, you shouldn't be. I mean, you could be tired of it, absolutely. You should be tired of your GM and, and you know the, the lack of ability to construct a roster. We have a roster, and we have a really good head coach. All the things that I said we really, really need, we really, really got it, and it's not working. I mean, it is working. The record is fine, but this, this isn't going to work. Please understand, because, again, I know those, hey, come on, man, we're 72. I know those people are listening and are getting upset with me right now. I'm just telling you, we will not win a Super Bowl with this level of defensive play. You should know that by now. If you're older than seven years old, you should know that because we've seen that. The teams that win the Super Bowl are the teams that have good defenses that can weather the storm through the playoffs and ultimately win in the Super Bowl. You have to have some level of solid defensive play because eventually the offense isn't going to carry you. Eventually the offense is going to have a bad day similar to what we saw in L.A. and there's not going to be a defense there ready to just hold it down. These guys got to figure it out. Again, not what we're supposed to be talking about, but I just, I got to. For, for just a minute, I just got to. It's frustrating. And it, it doesn't have to be this way. I mean, it, it, there are no excuses. I don't care that Blake isn't aggressive enough. Figure something out. The 49ers figured out how to construct one of the best defenses in football with no linebackers and no safeties. I don't want to hear stupid excuses. Sorry, children.
Uncle Pack Daddy's getting a little frustrated. I apologize. Let's step away from the defense for a moment, shall we? So very quickly, because again, we're very short on time, I want to just look at PFF. Essentially, when you look at their offense, it's very simple. They've got a couple guys that are decent. Um, Colin Jones, who is a safety, so we're going to disregard that. Let's try this again. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver. DJ Moore, wide receiver. Again, the wide receivers are relatively productive. Not very good, but they're good. They also have three tackles. I'm guessing one of them just started. But uh, Dennis Daly, Greg Little, Taylor Moten. Again, good, not great. Greg Little and Taylor Moten, very, very good pass blockers. Not so much as far as run blockers. But it doesn't matter because the one guy that's really, 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 really good is Christian McCaffrey. He's graded out as very good as a runner, elite as a receiver. Overall, his grade is a 90.3. He is the highest overall graded um, running back in football. He is, as a runner, uh, graded as eighth overall. And as a receiver, he is third. You know what's awesome? He is behind Austin Eckler and Jamal Williams. <laughs> I, I absolutely lie. I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be sustainable. I'll be honest. He's doing an unbelievable job. And I, I genuinely think we've got a a team that can utilize running backs as receivers now. I mean, I, I, I really tend to think that that's not going to stay that way, that he's going to be better than Christian McCaffrey for the, the course of an entire season. He also has a significantly less amount of, I mean, Austin Eckler has 55 receptions, Christian McCaffrey has 42, Jamal has 25, but still really awesome. But all that to say that uh, Christian McCaffrey, solid. Oh, by the way, number four is Aaron Jones. There are um, five elite receiving backs right now, Austin Eckler, Jamal Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, and James Conner. So something to be excited about. But that, that's the offense. It, it's centered around Christian McCaffrey. And if there, if we can come up with a general generalized game plan for Christian McCaffrey, you know, I don't want to say take him away because that's not going to happen, but just sort of minimize his impact it suddenly becomes a pretty mediocre offense. The quarterback is pretty mediocre. The wide receivers are good, not great. The offensive line, good, not great. That's sort of what the Carolina Panthers are. If Christian McCaffrey gets going and, for example, the wide receivers who are good, not great, start to look great against our defense, now we're getting into sketchy territory. Defensively, not surprisingly, Luke Keekley's top guy, Gerald McCoy, is another really, really good football player. He's struggling a little bit with his tackling. Um, but overall, very good run defender, very good football player. Uh, 26 pressures, four sacks. Uh, Vernon Butler, Kwan Short, some other really good football players. I mean, it's it's a it's a solid defense. Nobody is graded out as elite, right? Luke Keekley is is probably not his best year, but he's still just a freak. Um, and it, and it's solid, right? His grade in tackling, very good. His grade against the run, very good. His grade in coverage, very good. He's he's number one in coverage on his entire team. He's number one in tackling on his entire team. He's number two against the run behind Gerald McCoy on his team. He just, he's solid. Tell you what, I, what I wouldn't give, I know linebackers aren't seen as, as generally super elite and in terms of their value to a team, but you look at the Green Bay Packers and just to have a guy that is super dangerous in coverage, but just, you know, the sideline to sideline, getting people behind the line of scrimmage, like you better get up the field fast because Luke is coming in like a heat-seeking missile. I, I would I would very much enjoy having a guy like that on our team. And I, I feel bad even saying that because I, I like Blake. And I think for a long time, Blake had been an underrated guy that fans were kind of harping on. And I don't think that was necessarily fair. But clearly this year is just, it's it's no good. And it's a contract year, so, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Unless he just takes a garbage contract, which I doubt he will because somebody's going to want to pay him. 
Uh, I just I don't see a future for him. And the Packers are more than willing to just pay. I mean, you, you look at Oren Burks and, and B.J. Goodson and whatever, It's they can manage with that. And it's not even that much worse than what we have with Blake. So, yeah, I, yeah, completely forgot to do the second ad read. We got to take a break right now, and then I got to, jeez, I'm going to be late. Let's take a break. All right, so the Green Bay Packers are once again five-point favorites, so it's gone back to five from five and a half. As I've told you, these things get updated live. I've been sitting here telling you these things, and I've seen it change right in front of my face before. But it's slowly swinging back in the Carolina Panthers' favor. Either way, though, not a, t- a huge amount has changed. But if you if you haven't done it yet and you're, you're on the fence, just keep in mind that there's there's a million different ways for you to get involved if you're interested in doing so. You've got the spread. You've got the money line where the Packers are minus 225 which is to say you got to pay 225 bucks to get 100 back whereas the Panthers being plus 185 means you put down 100 and if you get it right you get 185 back or in addition. Then you've got your over under which is just betting on the total points. But as I've said they've also got things like the team most likely to win the Super Bowl. They they've got uh, odds to win the division. Then they've got prop bets which usually come out Saturday night Sunday morning which are very specified, you know, who scores first, those kinds of things. And you can bet on those things, and they get updated as it happens. So if you're interested, check it out. And if you join right now, my book, you will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're not into the uh, that whole throwing money down scene, I'm hoping at least one time this year you're planning on going to visit the Green Bay Packers. I know that's hard for a lot of you coming from a long way away. But again, if you're planning on going to visit the game, make sure you're using Vivid Seats. It's the top source for tickets for events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look up uh, in the section or row that you want to be in, all right within the Vivid Seats app. So it's not going to cost you anything to download it. You just kind of flip through, and they'll give you updates or whatever on prices and all those kinds of things. So you just just download it. Just you know, Maybe it'll just kind of prompt you one day. Just be like, you know what? I'm doing it. Boom. Um, to make it better, as I've said, Vivid Seats has the loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back with Vivid Seats rewards. So if you go to a lot of different events, this is going to be great for you. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Each and every purchase is going to be backed by that 100% buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts and the games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has got everything that you need. So download the app and join the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program today. When it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So uh, looking at the injury report, it's a little bit strange that they didn't update some of these guys for Thursday. I don't know why. So Vernon Butler, Greg Little, James Bradbury, Gerald, uh, that's it. Those three guys didn't practice Wednesday. There was no update on Thursday. However, Gerald McCoy, Christian McCaffrey, Eric Reed, Curtis Samuel didn't practice. All of them practiced. However, Christian McCaffrey and Gerald McCoy were limited. Um, I don't necessarily think that that means that these guys are even more hurt. I think what we're looking at is guys that are, are can't miss, right? They, they can kind of take it easy, and you still expect high production. Again, Gerald McCoy, probably the second best player on their defense outside of their linebacker Luke Keekley, Christian McCaffrey by far the best player on their offense it makes sense when they got some knee issues you don't want to hurt it let's just make them limited so in other words I think they're fine I think pretty much everybody's fine the only question marks right now are cornerback James Bradbury who I mentioned was probably their top corner you got tackle Greg Little who was out with a concussion don't know his status and then Vernon Butler the defensive tackle had a back issue as well 
No update on that. I, I have to assume they didn't practice. I don't know. Uh, as for the Packers, Adrian Amos once again didn't practice with the hamstring injury. It's a very good time to start getting Ibrahim Campbell back. Um, would have been nice to be able to ease him in, but it's it's starting to be a little bit iffy with Adrian Amos. As, as I've said before, hamstrings are super weird. Sometimes it's just a little thing, and you just rest him, and he's fine. Sometimes this is legitimately like IR category, and every strange animal in between. So, you know, just let's let's really, really hope that this is not a serious issue. Um, Devontae's still limited. Uh, Balag is still on that veteran rest stuff. Pretty much everybody's fine with the exception of veteran rest. The only one that, that actually was out-out was Mercedes Lewis, but again, that's still the veteran rest thing. He wasn't on the uh, the report for Wednesday. Maybe that's what I mean. Maybe they're just completely off the report. I don't know. I just figured they would put full participation if you were on there. I don't know. I know nothing. I don't, I don't know the things. But anyways, again, that's that's pretty much it. They've they've got a pretty similar to the Packers. They've got a pretty solid defense with some pretty good pieces, but they've also got some weaknesses out there. I do not think they're very good off the edge. For example, uh, Brian Burns had a ton of hype, <clears throat> especially in the preseason, a little bit during the regular season. Now, please understand, I was a very big Burns advocate, but one thing that you don't want to do is start trashing your own guy because some other guy that you liked had a good preseason. That's just generally not a very good strategy. Now, if you want to look back over three years, you can say, oh, I was always kind of a Burns guy anyway. That's fine. But let's just kind of cool it. And as I said, Burns has not been very good this year. He started off hot. He's cooling off rapidly. Um, Out of 24 players on their defense, he is graded as the 19th best. Uh, Two of these guys really aren't even starters. So you could say he's like the 19th best out of 22. Um, His pass rush percentage is right at about 10 which isn't bad. That's sort of a baseline for, you know, between good and bad. If it's less than that, it's not super great, uh, but it's not really, really good until you get up a little bit higher than that. But again, a lot of this came from early production, right? He started the year three pressures, four, five, four. So pretty solid. Since then, two, one, zero, two. He hasn't had three um, since week four. He's had zero, one, or two. To start the season, he hadn't had less than three. So, you know, again, it's pretty inflated and it's been dropping pretty rapidly. And a big part of that might have something to do with the fact that, you know, he's a very, very talented guy, very fast, very quick, and it maybe takes a little bit of time for teams to kind of figure out, like, okay, this is how you handle Brian Burns. And it seems to be pretty effective because he hasn't done a ton since then. Uh, As a run defender, he's not doing very much. He's a pretty poor tackler. Pass rush is definitely his best attribute, but again, um, that's primarily because he's had two really good games as a pass rusher. Other than that, his pass rush grades 59, 51, 65, 55, 59, and last week was a 48, with 60 being average. So outside of the two really good games, he's had one average game and a bunch of below average to bad games. Just throwing that out there because I know there's a lot of people. And 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 please also understand, if Brian Burns gets a sack in this game, I, I mean, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. But just if you have that thought of, oh, see, we should have got Brian Burns, just remember... He's at 10%. Rashawn Gary, his pass rush percentage is about 9.5. So he's about as effective as Rashawn Gary has been, except I think Rashawn Gary's better against the run, so there's also that. Um, They also have somewhat, I would say, mediocre. The the whole team is pretty mediocre. I mean, it's it's decent enough. It's sort of good, not great, right? You got Keekly, who's real good. You got McCoy, who's real good. I think the pass rushers, you could borderline say, are bad. The corners are are good, not great. And again, Bradbury kind of makes a difference because if he's not playing, then that's one... One more sort of mediocre-ish guy that's gone, which is presumably going to be replaced by a sub-mediocre guy. Linebackers Eric Reed and Trey Boston are, you know, eh. Eric Reed is graded out as below average. Boston is, is graded out as good, but not super great. 
They got Shaq Thompson at linebacker, which, you know, is just a compliment to Keekley. So it's going to feel like the linebackers are elite, but it's mostly just Keekley's impact. But Thompson, is, he's good. So it's, it's a defense that can hurt you because they've got talent in certain places. However, we should just apply this, the Packers theory, which is they've got some weaknesses and we're just going to destroy them as a result. Right? Yeah, but you don't have a perfect defense. Like you don't have a pass rush, and if you don't have a pass rush, the problem is you don't get to the quarterback. And if you don't get to the quarterback, he has time to sit in the pocket. If he has time to sit in the pocket, he's going to find somebody wide open. Except sometimes that doesn't happen, does it? We've seen Aaron Rodgers sit in the pocket forever and not find anybody. So, again, it can't really be two ways. Either we start attacking defenses that can't just shut us down entirely, or we need to stop making excuses for our defense and saying, you know what, figure it out. Panthers are ranked ninth in defense right now. They've got some good players, they've got some garbage players, and some just generally bad positions, like a premium one like pass rush. That's why they invested so much in Brian Burns, because it was a pretty big need. And guess what? He's not helping much. So, anyways, I gotta get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.